I want to tell you a story. I'm going to move over here. I know you guys can still see me. I want to tell you a story about an old ladies knitting group at a church that I knew. And this group was the kind of group that had been around since before anybody could remember. You know what I'm talking about. And they loved getting together. They loved sharing stories. They loved talking about their grandchildren, catching up. But nobody ever paid them much mind because deep down I think people thought they didn't really do anything important. But one day, a pastor came along, a new pastor. He's a friend of mine. And he visited that knitting group and he said, what would you think about putting your talents to use for the kingdom of God? And in no time at all, these grannies were knitting baby clothes. And that pastor would take these tiny little garments up to the nearby state penitentiary in Alabama. And he began connecting with some of these inmates, getting to know them, visiting them on and off. And one day he had a chat with the prison chaplain and the warden and he said, I would love dearly to bring a friend of mine with me on my next visit. And he told them the story of that knitting group. And there was this frown that slowly spread across the forehead of the warden and the chaplain simultaneously. But that pastor, he insisted, he pleaded, and finally the warden said, well, okay, if you must. The next week, the pastor came along, and by his side was the sweetest, littlest old lady you ever seen, with Buddy Holly glasses and oversized crochet cardigan, and you guessed it, light pink. And she had a stunning little pink peony pinned to the lapel. And she marched right in there with the pastor jogging behind, struggling to keep up at a comfortable pace. And she had a big smile on her face. And in one hand, she held a fresh-baked apple pie. And in the other hand was a little white box. Well, she left the pie with the warden, who suddenly was a little bit more pleased about her arrival. And she took off behind the guard, down that long corridor, pastor still jogging behind to keep up. And in that visitation room, it was nearly empty, except for one man, who when he stood up, measured not less than six foot five inches, with tattoo sleeves up and down each arm, gang symbols tattooed into his neck and head, top of his head completely shaved. Years of lifting weights in the prison gym had turned him into a massive man. 
hello, she said. <laughs> now I imagine that that lady's name is Hyacinth. I have no reason to guess that for sure, but in my mind, her name is Hyacinth. Hello, she said. How are you? Except that the way she said it, there was an emphasis on that second word. How are you? And you could see that brow begin to furrow. It's so good to meet you. I'm with the knitting group at Garden Street Methodist Church, and we just wanted to bring you a little something. She slid that white box across the table towards him. The man eyed it skeptically, incredulously, and then picked it up and opened it. And inside were the smallest, most delicately knit little baby booties that you'd ever seen. Pink, of course. And that man's face slowly turned. The frown wrinkled and then quivered a little bit. And he got down on his knees and he started to weep. He cried as men in prison should not cry. And he wrapped those big tattooed arms around that little old lady's legs. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. You see, he knew without being told that they were the booties knitted just for the granddaughter he would never meet, most likely, as his daughter and most of his children were estranged and moved far away. And for a moment, just a moment, it felt like the kingdom of heaven had, had descended and laid all around them. There was this feeling in the air as if time stopped. And that pastor, that friend of mine, stood there half out of breath in awe and wonder his eyes welling up a little bit. And I never asked him, but I, I like to think that in that moment, his soul magnified the Lord. And you could have had the hardest week you've ever had, the darkest day imaginable, and you stumble upon the presence of God and you just know that your soul is magnifying the Lord, even when you feel like there's nothing to give, nothing in your reserves, your tank is empty. Now, I generally like the NIV. I like it because it's easy to read and I think it's accessible. But in this passage, I don't think it does as good a job as the King James. Well, Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord in the King James. My soul magnifies. 
Magalunio is the word in Greek. My soul magnifies. It enlarges. I am fit to burst with the presence of God. And the most beautiful part, God does the work. You know, he doesn't send Gabriel along to say, look, Mary, you're, well, you're pretty much perfect. You run a good household. You do all the washing. You provide meals without complaint. So I'm going to do this thing because you've earned it. No. No, it says the Holy Spirit just came down. Gabriel says the Holy Spirit is going to come down right on top of you. His power is going to hover over you, descend over you, cover you, because this is God's will for your life and for the life of the world. You can glorify in the privacy of your own home. But when you magnify the Lord, that cannot be contained. And I wonder if that's something that we are called to in our life. Matthew uses the same word in his story about the Pharisees. Magnify in the King James. And Jesus in this, in this passage out of Matthew 23 is talking to his disciples and he's warning them, don't be like the Pharisees who behave as hypocrites, who don't practice what they preach. He says, they make their phylacteries broad and their garments wide. Phylacteries are these little wooden boxes that contain the word of Moses, the law of Moses, written out on tiny scrolls. And they're contained in these little wooden, wooden boxes that are connected to leather straps. And observant Jewish men will wrap the leather around their arms and the phylactery will sit on their arm and then another they will wrap around their head and this is all described in Deuteronomy, that this is what God wanted Jewish men to do, to remember that the law of Moses was close to them. And at the bottom of their garments, there would be a hymn with tassels and a prayer shawl. And people would know, you'd see this man from a mile away with his phylacteries on and his prayer shawl, and you would know this is a religious man. This is a super spiritual man. And Jesus says to his disciples, don't be like the Pharisees who magnify the hem of their garment. Let your spirit magnify the Lord. And so you no longer have to be a man. You're not limited by your gender, your race, your class, your good reputation. God chooses Mary, who's none of those things that you would see in a Pharisee. And he says, your soul, I want your soul to magnify my name. That's what God says.
her soul, her life, her existence is all about magnifying God's holiness. And I feel, I wonder, I don't know, join in with me, but I wonder if maybe that's the life that we're called to as a shared family, as a church. I wonder if that is the life that we are called to. A church that doesn't worry about its self-image. A church that's not fussed by tech stuff. A church that's not bothered by lackluster performances because what we do here is about Jesus Christ. It's about a little girl who won't let go of baby Jesus because she wants him in her life. It's about it's not about performance. It's not about being known or being well regarded by the world. What would it look like for your soul to magnify the Lord today? For all of us to magnify the Lord as a church family? Maybe. Maybe this is a church that's called to look after the poor free of charge. Maybe this is a church that is called to heal the sick. Maybe this is a church that is called to comfort the brokenhearted, to visit the prisoners, to knit little pink booties. Maybe that is us. Maybe this is a church that is called to speak openly about Jesus Christ in here around our dinner tables, out in the community, not in a pushy way or a confrontational way, but in a lovely, kind of haphazard, messy kind of way, which is a bit like myself, I think. <laughs> Maybe this is a church that's called to spread the good news, to bring people to faith. Maybe this is a church that's called to pray and love people through addiction and rehab. Maybe this is a church that's called to the way of the cross. There were no television crews present there were no social media journalists present at the crucifixion of Jesus. There was no Instagram live feed. There was no Facebook countdown. There was no media campaign. And yet, on that little dirty hill, called Calvary, a trash heap. Jesus was raised on a cross. Died for our sins. Was resurrected three days later. No performance. Power. There is power in that story. 
that lackluster story. And, you know, it, it's amazing how God turns these situations on their head and all of a sudden this no-name man from Galilee with his ragtag disciples made fun of by the Roman authorities, convicted by the Jewish authorities. His death and his resurrection changed the world. Maybe we are a church called to magnify that truth in all of our messiness and lack of polish, this lovely, lovely group of people that you are. Absolutely loved to the end of the earth by Jesus Christ. People ask me, what do you want this church to be known for? And I tell them, the clue's in the name. Saint Savior, our Lord Jesus. I would love for this church to be known for him for his reckless, selfless, shameless, relentless, persistent, sacrificial love. The same Jesus who was born of a lowly woman, a virgin who before that day nobody had ever heard of, but whose soul magnified the Lord. Amen.